Welcome to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast, tackling the political rubrus from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. You can find us online at feministcoffeehour.com. You can find us at Feminist Coffee Hour on iTunes, at Fem Coffee Pod on Twitter, AskFM slash Feminist Coffee Hour, and you can email us at feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. I'm Karen. And I'm Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for being patient with us. We had a bit of a longer holiday hiatus than we had intended to, but it's been all good things. Fantastic things. So what's been happening with you, Elizabeth? Well, if you might have seen on my blog or on my husband's blog, um, I had a baby in September. Yay! We put out a couple episodes after that, but it was once I, uh, you know, went back to work and my son is he's starting to roll over now, and he's more able to make his opinions known. It's harder <laughs> to find time to record. But Karen and I both made a New Year's resolution to record 12 episodes in the year 2017. And we intend to keep it. Yes, so this is, a, you know, episode one of 2017. And, you know, we're a little bit behind, but we're going to keep going. So I'm glad that you're here with us, audience. Thanks for listening. Um, so, Karen, what's been new with you? Well, I've had some uh, major milestones. I've been in the process of applying and interviewing and, and getting into kind of the, the next phase of my career. And so that's been a very busy time for me and a really wonderful time as well. Not quite creating life, but <laughs> improving my own life and moving forward. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's all good things in our personal lives. Absolutely. So it's it's interesting, bittersweet balance between personal and public sphere. I I would totally agree with that. You know, on one hand, to be incredibly happy in your personal life and then to see what's happening to our country is, is very distressing. And it's very hard to embark into kind of unknown next steps of your life under a pessimistic regime. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I look at my son, I have no idea what the future holds for him. I mean, you know, I'm not psychic. I wouldn't know what the future held for him if, if Hillary Clinton had been president. But I think I would have had a very different point of view on these issues. I don't think uh, on election night I would have went in and stood by his crib and just quietly apologized to him about what had just happened. Mm. But I wanted to let our audience know that we are recording this on Sunday evening, February 19th. We, we let you know the date of our last podcast recording, and I think, especially under the Trump administration, it's important to let people know what our frame of reference is when we're recording this, because things are moving mm -hmm. incredibly fast. Yes, and I've definitely heard podcasts where they are playing a recording and then kind of come back in to contextualize it, that it's the day before something relevant to the recording <laughs> happened. So we're going to just give you the context of our time frame so that you can know how much we knew at this time and hopefully by the time we put it out no new fresh hell will have been revealed but uh can't be guaranteed under this first hundred days at least oh boy well what we want to bring you is some voices from the women's march because karen went to the women's march in washington dc yeah it was awesome why did you go, Karen? Because uh, some of the interviews we're going to bring you are Karen asking other people why they went. So, Karen, why did you go to the Women's March? Well, I went for a lot of reasons. As you might know on this podcast, I'm passionate about 
reproductive justice and specifically access to abortion services and other women's health services. And so I I went to kind of voice my concern for these services. I went to uh, endorse repeal of the Hyde Amendment, which has since been strengthened. Uh, And it, it was something to look forward to after months of darkness. The idea of being surrounded by women and allies who were really there to voice that we would not be silent. So I think in that respect, it was a a huge success for me um, and my friends who I went with. That's great. I mean, that's something that I hear from people who went both to the DC March and other marches around the country and around the world, that the feelings of solidarity were very healing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Marches, I think, are the most joyful part of resistance. It was a pleasure. Well, it's good to hear. So we kind of want to set up the the recordings that you did, the interviews. You had five that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So I asked people why they were there, what they want to see come out of the march, what they're afraid is going to come out of the regime that they would like to show their resistance against. So this interview was with the woman who gave me a ride down. And she had clearly been really thoughtful and repeated some of the things that, uh, some of the themes from our interview with Rebecca Lynch. So can you tell me why you're marching at the Women's March? So I'll explain it in terms of the struggle that I was going through trying to figure out what to put on a sign. Because I spent hours trying to think of you know, what, what slogan encapsulates why I'm doing this. And, um, and I didn't want to do something anti-Trump in part because I don't want to give him that power. Um, and I don't want him to be the focus. You know, it's, uh, it's not all about him. He's got enough attention uh, already. And um, I didn't want to do something that was pussy-related, because there was something about co-opting the language of, of Trump and those who think like him that, that bothered me. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, um, with reclaiming a word, but it, it, it didn't feel true. And what I kept coming back to were, were phrases along the lines of, you know, just take care of each other lift people up or lift each other up you know, the sense that what is best about our country is mutual care and the the people who come here from nothing trying to make their lives better or the people who are born into nothing and need a chance to help make their lives better you know, a, a sense that I, who have, through no skill or, um, or right of my own, was born into privilege, that privilege means that it's my responsibility to help people who don't have that. And that's, it's not just a personal thing, it's a national thing. That's what I think is best about our country when, when positions of privilege are used to to help bring everyone up to a level where our lives are better 
and I felt strongly about the fact that I can afford to go to DC. Um, so, uh, felt strongly about the fact that I can afford to go to DC. I can get the time off to go to DC. I'm not afraid of the INS coming to get me if I go to DC. I'm not afraid of my color um, leading the police to target me if I go to DC. And therefore, it's my responsibility to go to DC. And it's my responsibility to be part of the movement to try and lift each other up. And, uh, and that's why I'm going. Is there anything more you want to say? I've been a feminist for as long as I can remember, and I've never understood women who say they aren't. And I'm so excited to be with hundreds of thousands of women who are proud to say that they're feminists. I, I can't wait. For some context, this woman um, gave me a ride to DC, me and my friend, sight unseen, for free, and really was uh, trying to put her money where her mouth is, sharing her privilege. And so she made going to the Women's March possible for me and my friend. We used a rideshare website that I believe was called March Match uh, that had been created specifically for the Women's March, where people could get free rides down or find ways to rent a car together and so it was a, it was a really great experience. That sounds wonderful. So for this interview we want to give a little bit of context. We're going to play the interview and then we might uh, contextualize some of the things that our interviewee said. So why are you here at the march? Um, so I remember when the first woman, um, Geraldine Ferrero, was nominated for vice president and it, I just broke down in tears when that happened. As uh, my whole life I wanted to see a woman president and I really thought I had a chance. And now I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. So I'm here just to to see the power with all the women and, and it's kind of a grieving thing. Is there anything that you would like to see come out of this march? I would like to see um, a new wave of activism. I'm formerly a um, community national organizer for anti-nuclear issues. And all the progressive um, movements have kind of fallen by the wayside. We've become complacent. And so I would love to see that, you know, that would happen again. Right now in the anti-nuclear um, movement, it's only us old folks. We can't get any young people involved in it. And so I'd love to see a, a new spirit in the generations that preceded the boomers. <laughs> Thank you for doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm not doing much. But um, could you also tell me what do you fear might come out of this that you're marching against? Well, um, just everything. Dismantling the government, the infrastructure of uh, education, uh, the environment, um, 
putting Scott in the head of the DOE when he didn't even know the, that the DOE was the, in charge of all the nuclear power plants and uh, the nuclear weapons plants. So he's the, he's a very, uh, he didn't even know what the job was when he was nominated for it. Thank you so much. So she mentioned Scott. And Elizabeth can give us a little bit more context for this, but I believe she was talking about Rick Perry. Yes, she was talking about Rick Perry being confused about what the Department of Energy even does because he said he wanted to eliminate it from government and now he's going to be the head of that department. And there's just a lot of Republican men that have similar names. There's Rick Perry, Rick Scott, and Scott Perry. And um, there's also... God, what do all these people seem to have in common? They're, they're Republican white dudes. And yeah. <laughs> also there is Scott Pruitt, who is going to be yes. heading up the EPA. So it's easy to get them confused. But I believe that Rick Scott was the governor of Florida. Yes. And Scott Perry is a congressman from Pennsylvania. Just for clarification. And as far as we know, Rick Perry has passed the committee hearings to be the head of the DOE, but the full Senate has not yet voted on him. We'll see how he, uh, how effective he is at his mission to dismantle it. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> hmm. So this interview is with a, a DC resident who was at the march with her daughter. So why are you here at the march? Um, here at the march today with my family. We're DC residents, and uh, we voted for Hillary Clinton, and she didn't win. <laughs> so uh, we're here just uh, sharing our um, interest in wanting to um, uh, elect people that stand for everybody, uh, and Donald Trump is not that person. So, and also as a DC resident, we're also here to. Uh, to, for statehood, uh, because that's really the only way that we'll be able to keep um, things that we want here in D.C., since they're currently changing all the laws that we've just recently passed, so yeah, that's why. <laughs> is, there, is there anything that you see happening that you would like not to happen? Uh, uh, yes, everything, everything that I just said. <laughs> And so if our listeners don't know, Washington, D.C. is not an independent state. Their license plates say taxation without representation. <laughs> and this has been, I think, a, a long struggle for people who live in D.C. Right. They have electoral votes, but they have mm -hmm. no congressional representation. They have um, a representative that can go and can serve on committees but can't actually vote. Just like our territories do, actually. Hmm. Useful tidbit of knowledge from Elizabeth's well-educated brain. <laughs> well, all these useless facts are coming more into use lately. I mean, the, the whole thing that's going on with regards to the Keystone XL pipeline and the way that the EPA grant structure works. Mm -hmm. I've, I've mentioned this before, but you know, I, I got my master's degree in public policy and, and administration with a specialization in environmental policy. And sometimes when I get to use my degree, it's fun, but most of the time it's just deciphering awful things the government is doing. Yay. 
for this next interview, the DC resident's daughter had some things to say about why she was at the march and what she was hoping to see. Why are you here at the Women's March? Um, I came here because I'm kind of I'm kind of angry because whenever when I was younger and I watched TV, they would always have like more men in the picture and they're always saving the girls and I'm whenever the girls save the men it's considered a funny joke. And I don't want that, so I came here to prove that it's wrong. And so, what do you want to see in this new government? I just want to see um, more rights, and I mean, we already have a lot of rights, but we should be treated like we have a lot of rights. It just doesn't seem like it. It just seems like a long, t- like when we didn't, and everybody's stereotyping that. So. And is there anything that you don't want that you think might come? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, where's to start? That's all I can say. I mean, with this dude as our president, we don't know it's going to happen. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, I don't know, not really. Go power. Thank you so much. That's kind of neat. Were there a lot of kids there? So there were a lot of young people there. And what I think was really interesting about this interview in particular was that she mentioned that we have rights, uh, but sometimes it really doesn't seem like it. And I think it's really interesting that kids really pick up on the these hypocrisies that we adults kind of take for granted. And so I think that it was really cool that she brought up like, yes, we have these rights, but somehow when we exercise them, you know, we do have the right to become president, but somehow it's never been exercised, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that was a really great testament to the gaslighting of women in this country. I think that's really interesting, um, the, the nuance that she has, because I think a lot of girls these days, you know, have this idea about girl power, and they're told, you know, rightfully by their parents, you're a girl and you can do anything boys can do. But to, to have this next level of nuance at such a young age is, um, I want to say I kind of feel a little bit bad that, you know, she's got to start thinking about this stuff. But nine years old was about the kind of age I started pondering climate change. So I, uh, I understand. Yeah, I remember being very young and uh, very passionately talking to my mom about how I would never wear makeup. Because I loved myself the way I was. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, yeah, at that age, I, I knew I was never going to change my name when I got married. And because of that, I didn't want to get married. And then I realized <laughs> when I was much older that you could just get married and not change your name. And then the idea of marriage became a lot more appealing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have since kind of gotten a little bit more woke about just because it's feminine doesn't mean it's false. Uh, that's true. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot about, about makeup and plastic mm-hmm. surgery and that kind of stuff. And right. See our previous episodes, especially our first episode about this. Yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> and quite passionately a lifetime. Wow. Um, but I still find that I, my, my makeup tends to be very costumey and playful and, and not very professional <laughs> or subtle. It's your face. It is. So also, uh, not to be full-on misandrist, I did interview a man. A man. Were there a lot of men there? There were a good amount of men. 
But I do want to say with that question, uh, and as you'll hear in the chants that we've peppered throughout the episode, one of the most amazing things about being at a, the Women's March was hearing these really common March chants that in all women's voices or all feminine voices. I think that that was really awesome. That was something that I was really aware of while I was there. Was it like women's voices were really amplified at this event? That must have been pretty cool. I'm actually, you know, thinking back to the first time that I went to a march. I was actually, you know, probably about nine or ten years old. I went with my dad to the Labor Day Parade in New York City. And it was mostly men. I mean, because mm-hmm. we, we were in, you know, a union where it was mostly men there. I was, uh-huh. you know, with the United Federation of Teachers where it was more right. gender mixed. And that did that did strike me, like when, when you hear the chanting, what, what it sounds like, the, the mixture of the, the gender of the voices. No hate, no fear. Immigrants are welcome here. No hate, no fear. Immigrants are welcome here. No hate, no fear. I think it's really interesting as a woman to be in a march and then, you know, later to go after the refugee ban or sorry, the executive order with stringent immigration regulations. I don't know, even know what they're calling it. The Muslim ban that they have called the Muslim ban themselves multiple times. Who am I to argue with their wording? Right. Um, but the March in New York after the Muslim ban I was very aware of the male presence uh, and even got mansplained to about who Woody Guthrie is in This Land is Your Land as a song. Um, And so I was very much aware of the masculine presence there. (laughs) Lady Gaga knows who Woody Guthrie is. Yeah, but she wears a lot of makeup. That's true. I don't know if she's somebody to be taken seriously. Also, can I just say as an aside that I find her to be incredibly problematic yeah. She is. Yep. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't want to get behind Lady Gaga is my rebuttal to this manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably make him mad though. It would. I think it would. Okay. So here's the interview <laughs> of the dude that was there. Yes. The so this is the interview of our token man who also tokenly, uh, lives up to the stereotype of a man by opening with a Bill and Ted quote. <laughs> so, I definitely agree with my wife in uh, paraphrasing. Your if wife I wife hasn't said anything. If yet. I may, if I may paraphrase, you know, uh, as she was quoting uh, some of our great sages and uh, saying, you know, be excellent to each other. Um, but I do worry that, you know, in, in any march against Trump, we need to be careful about sort of not defining ourselves as a negation of Trump and meaning more than that. Like, are we just all there because we're anti-Trump or are we there because we believe, you know, we have these other core beliefs which are opposed to what he believes in and this happens to be that way and we're pushed fighting and pushing for what those beliefs are. So what are some of your beliefs that you're fighting for? I think, well, for instance, um, I think the specific things that come to mind immediately are the things that were scrubbed off the White House's webpage earlier today. Things like uh, caring about women's rights, 
um, caring about civil rights, caring about the environment, worrying about global warming, I mean, these are in some ways things that are very important to not just America, but the world. Um, but, you know, even domestically, things like where we're worried about having a public education system and having sort of the idea that competence and knowledge is important and important not just in government but in how we do things and, and not basing um, you know not trying to get ahead based on outwitting the other person but because we've done greater and bigger things and I think in some ways that that isn't what is represented um, by this administration and I think there's a sharp contrast with the previous administration and even with but previous GOP administrations have avowedly pushed, even if they haven't pushed those things, you know, in reality. And so I, I think in going to this, I'm really just trying to, you know, support some of that, which I think has been promoted by many people in this movement, but also, you know, to step back and say, this is a women's march, so I'm just also there for solidarity, you know, let, let this be one day when I'm not there loudly mansplaining <laughs> and let it let, you know, women stand up and sort of carry on the tradition from this last campaign where women finally said, hey, we have a voice and we're finally being heard and we're finally being taken seriously and we're not being told to get back in the kitchen and bake, you know, brownies or whatever people expected them to do previously. So that's kind of all I have at the moment. Thank you. All right. Is that something that men do have Bill and Ted quotes everywhere? I think <laughs> I the men not just really experience. like Bill and Ted. It's a cultural touchstone. It's a, a signifier of dudedom. <laughs> so what's next after the Women's March? I mean, there are lots of other marches coming up. Yeah. There, there are, in New York City at least, and probably every big American city, there seem to be protests every day. All the time. Sometimes I see pictures in my Twitter feed of marches in New York City that I had not heard of until the moment that people are already there. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, I believe, from what I've heard, a, um, a tax day march, a science march, which is going to mm -hmm. be separate from a climate change march the week after, and an immigrants march and an LGBTQ march, I, I yeah. think, on the horizon. Also, there are a ton of LGBTQ dance parties uh, to dance our resistance uh, and, and have our physical presence be acknowledged and not silence. If you want to have, like I said, all of the marches and dances are the fun part. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, it's important to to show up in, in any way that you can. I haven't been to a march yet. Um, we're thinking about maybe going to the New York City version of the science march or the climate march. There are some issues with the science one. Yeah, we've talked amongst each other about it. Yeah, I can I can link to something about it. I think that the organizer said that it wasn't meant to be political, which doesn't make sense to me. I think he oh, meant yeah, it's not political march. Right. I think that he meant to say it's not partisan. But yeah. if it's going to, I mean, I love Neil deGrasse Tyson, but he doesn't know anything about politics. And 
neither does Stephen Hawking because he, he also made some bizarre comments in, in the run up to this election. Um, so if it's if it's going to be this kind of thing where we're if it's going to turn into another John Stewart rally to restore sanity, <laughs> oh God, um, I'll just wait and I'll I'll go to the climate march or to the immigrants march or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, I think it's good that people are showing up. I think it's good that um, that that it's getting coverage in the media because I believe there were, I mean, the women's march is, is huge. Depending upon how you count, it's either the largest or second largest demonstration in American history, mm-hmm. um, aside from maybe Earth Day, the first one. Um, and I think that, that that's great, that it's getting coverage, because there were a number of very large demonstrations against the Iraq war and the lead up to it, and they did not receive mainstream press coverage the way the Women's March did. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it's a good thing that the opposition to the Trump administration and to their stated goals is something that uh, most Americans are aware of. Yeah, and are joining in. I mean, one of the nice things about the Women's March and the coverage was seeing how many red state Women's Marches there were and to, to show that even though Trump won those states, there's a lot of resistance there and that if the policies continue in the direction they seem to be, that uh, politicians can't get comfortable with their current leads. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that um, just something that uh, my my brother is a third party guy, but every mm-hmm. day he sends me Trump's approval and disapproval ratings and right now it's up to 56% his disapproval. Mm. So 56% of Americans say that they disapprove of the job that, that Trump is doing as president. And I think that that's a story that the media is not covering. They're covering dissent. They're covering marches. But they're not covering how widespread the sentiment is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a guy on Twitter say, the American public is getting fed up with Hollywood liberals you know, being anti-Trump. But... <laughs> That Quite the opposite, actually. Yeah, that can't be true if 56% of Americans disapprove of the job he's doing as president. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's growing. So um, I would say, you know, Let's keep actively it up. disapprove. Right. Not my president! 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 And um, the other thing that people are doing in in large numbers is they're calling their members of Congress and their senators Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're showing up at town halls. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote a post called What Do I Say When I Call My Representative? Mm -hmm. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And um, I would encourage people to read the Indivisible Guide, which is a guide to using the same tactics that the Tea Party did only mm-hmm. on the left to try to stop the mm-hmm. Trump administration in the same way that the Tea Party was able to stop President Obama. And also another resource is the 65. Karen, what's the 65? So the 65 is a website that shows liberal issues uh, and leftist issues and has scripts for calling your congressperson. Uh, it has a guide to who which kind of congressperson to call 
we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Um, I think if you don't know where to begin, this is a great starting point. It helps you know what, what issues are going on soon uh, and who to call to talk about them. And if you don't know how to call your congressperson or who your congressperson is, uh, a lot of people don't know their representatives, you can Google it. Just do a Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've since saved my congresspeople's phone numbers in my cell phone with their names so that it just makes the process easier. So whatever you can do to make the process easier for yourself, doing it is more important than doing it perfectly. I would agree with that. And um, I've kind of been persuaded. In the past, I've done a lot more letter writing than calling just because for me personally, it's easier to write a letter even though I write a short letter that's about the length of what I would say on the phone. Um, It's easier for me to sit down at night or on the weekend and type something out and drop it off in a mailbox at my own convenience rather than try to remember to call during business hours. Mm-hmm. which is something that I can do because of my work schedule and not everybody can call during business hours. So if you can't call it all write letters, but people are saying that right now people are paying more attention to calls than, than letters. And it used to be the other way around hmm. on a tangent. I think that's just something interesting about the way that society has changed because it used to take more effort to write a letter than to make a call. And right. I think now maybe it's because you know, there's more introverts or because it's harder to people don't know who their representatives are. It seems like it's harder for people to make a call than to write a letter. Right. And I also think that letters are kind of automated now. I think it's really because of the internet, people can just download talking points, cut, paste, and flood a mailbox really easily. Um, it's, it's more automated now. And so I think that maybe phone calls are harder to automate because you have to do them. Mm-hmm. That's just something that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Another good resource for next steps is the Women's March page itself has uh, 10 actions for the first 100 days. I might be calling the title slightly off of what they're calling it, but um, they've organized. Uh, I've been to a letter writing party that was inspired by the Women's March where there were Women's March postcards. We can just write off quick ones with the issues. And I've been to uh, or I've been hearing about um, something called a huddle, which is kind of just a, a planning and action planning meeting. But I think that's fantastic. And if you can't find a Women's March meeting or a huddle, you can always look up your local community board if you're in New York get involved in an already organized meeting. And if you want to go past that, if you want to go past the the one-on-one stuff, something that I would suggest is you can go to the website of Congress and you can look at what's on the docket. You Mm -hmm. can look at bills that have been proposed and see who proposed them. And you can see where each bill is in the steps, whether it's been introduced into a committee, whether it's past a committee, Um, whether it's past the House, where it is in the Senate, and so on, you can see how your member of Congress or your senators voted on any vote that has been taken. And you can also do this at the state level. Something that I think is harder for people to understand is that they also have, unless if you're in Nebraska, it's just one person. If you're in any other of the 49 states, you have two people um, that represent you at your state government. And your state government also has a website that um, I know the New York state one is very good. It's almost the same software as 
Congress uses to find out what bills are, where they are, who voted for them, who sponsored them, and so on. Other states are more difficult. I know in writing that page, what do I say, my, that post, what do I say when I call my congressman? I was trying to figure this out for, I believe, South Dakota, and it was much more difficult. Um, but you should check that out and see what's going on at the state level also if you want something a little bit more difficult to do or if you have more time to devote to this, see what's going on in your state and you can find that out that way. And um, I think that state representatives aren't getting as many calls. So call those people, too, because they mm -hmm. also represent you. Yes. Um, and there's definitely some really interesting things if you're in New York State about our state level legislature uh, that might infuriate you as much as our national legislature. There are more Democrats elected to the New York State Senate than there are Republicans, but the Republicans mm -hmm. hold control of the state Senate because a bunch because. of Democrats sold out mm -hmm. to get a deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm represented by one of them. I'm very angry with him. I've told him that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've written about this. I think I've talked about this on maybe Twitter or Facebook or something like that, but... Mm -hmm. I had a party for him when he was first running for my office. He was in my house. And now he is voting for Republicans. But some would say that's the risk that you run when you get involved in politics. And I would have to agree. But that doesn't mean you don't keep fighting for what you believe in just because somebody mm -hmm. disappointed you. I would say that that's a reason to run yourself. Mm -hmm. That is, I think, probably one further takeaway if you are not seeing what you want to see in your government uh rebecca lynch brought this up in our interview with her i think you have a responsibility to run if you can so if any of our listeners are uh people of means who can or run people with a network mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you don't Social just need money you need mm -hmm. to have friends yes I mean, Karen and I were talking about this. I mean, I like to say, oh, I know all of my representatives, but I was thinking about this and I don't. I mean, I know the president. I know my senators. I know my congressman. Mm -hmm. I know my governor. I know my state senator and state mm -hmm. representative. And I know the mayor of my city, my borough president and my city councilman. But mm -hmm. I don't know all the people in my community board who represent me. Right. I have no idea who's on my community board, and I have no idea who um, holds the elected positions in the county Democratic Party. No idea for that either. Um, every state is different, uh, and I, I write about this in the in the in the post that I wrote. But there are people at super local levels who represent you, um, and these are offices that you can run for, or you can you know contact these people and talk to them about your concerns. So if you think you know everybody who represents you, that's my challenge to you. Actually go find out. And I, I did not find out who's on my community board or who has the elected positions in my local Democratic Party. But that's my challenge to you. Actually find out every person who uh, represents you. I need to take that challenge because I'm about at the same level as you are. So uh... I thought I knew, but I didn't. Yeah. This is actually another point that I wanted to bring up is get a buddy who pushes you. So when um, 
when people were first calling their Congress people, I didn't get to it right away. But I had seen a Facebook post that Elizabeth made saying I just called. Uh, I think that was about the Reigns Act. And, uh, and I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. I saw your post and I wanted to be able to say I did it too. And so get a buddy, get somebody who's, who's politically minded, ask them what they're doing and see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once you make those calls, mm-hmm. post on social media and say who you called and what you said, and you'll inspire mm-hmm. your friends to do the same. Yeah, I only use Facebook and Twitter, but, you know, Instagram, mm-hmm. Snapchat. I don't know how useful Snapchat would be for that unless you want, like, a cute filter of you looking like a puppy dog calling your congressman. Like an person. American flag over your face? Not on Snapchat, or at least not currently. Maybe they'll do that around 4th of July. Okay. So, yeah, keep at it. We're here with you in the fight. You're not alone, and it's not all miserable. No, it's not. Eventually, we want to have, like, a feel-good self-care episode. Today wasn't it. <laughs> not today. Have some the next tea. <laughs> probably won't be it. But we definitely uh, do want you to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and keep moving forward with your life. Mm-hmm. The personal sphere is a great place to mind joy. <laughs> I agree with that. You will not go away. Welcome to your first day. <laughs> So thank you so much for this episode with me, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say um, I have a little bit of a sore throat. So if my voice sounds weird, I apologize. There is something going around the Foundest Outer Burrows. <laughs> um, my husband was sick last week. I was on four planes for a business trip. So <laughs> Busy Yeah, take care of yourself. I think you sound great every episode. Thank you. Well, whenever I have a cold, I like to joke that um, at least I get to sound like Kathleen Turner, even though it's probably sound more like a gravel monster or something. <laughs> I don't think you sound like either. I think you sound pretty normal, to be honest. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. Have a good one. Where can people find you on the Internet? On Twitter at Miss Cherry Pie, P.I. like the number pie. And you can find me at a uh, Karen, like U-H-K-A-R-E-N. Bye. Feminist Coffee Hour podcast theme song is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth. You can listen to her music at soundcloud.com slash Bridget Ellsworth. And you can listen to her other songs there as well. And if you like what you hear, you can give her a like or even a follow.